And so really, really glad that you're here tonight. And if you are a guest, um, it is a delight to have you here. We've been in a series called Training Camp, uh, all kind of flowing out of this verse in 1 Timothy. I'm just going to read it to us again. And we said uh, Timothy is a, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, who's an early leader in the early church and a young leader at that. And he said uh, he had some great words of encouragement to him. And in chapter 4, there's some great things, but there's this one nugget that we've been kind of holding on to, this idea of, of training in our faith. And he said, this is what he said to Timothy, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Meaning in the church and back in the first century, there was a lot of myths going on about how you attained spirituality and how you grew. And he said, look, don't, don't fall victim in pursuit of all these false things. Then he said to him, rather, you train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. And it holds promise for this present life and in the life to come. And so there's this call. We, we briefly mentioned this after Daniel shared last week, this idea of, of trying versus training. And, and I don't know how many of you have ever played golf before. I, I'm a golfer. I like to hack it around. I'm not perfect at that. I'm, I'm, I can hold my own, and I do okay. But I'm certainly not even as good as the guest who's going to be here in a minute, which really makes me frustrated because he doesn't even do golf for a living. But... Um, but, you know, the thing with golf is, or any sport, is you train your muscles in a way of just patterns over and over and over again that you don't think about it. It just happens. And really, that's what Paul's saying to Timothy. Say, look, this life of following Jesus is not about trying really hard. It's about training. And it's about this training in godliness that you just, you end up moving in steps. And that's why we say a lot around here that it's, it's about this progress and it's about these continual next steps, whether you've been walking with Jesus for 10 minutes or 10 years or 20 years, that there's always a next step for each one of us. And we get to train in that. And, um, you know, we've had some different guests come and share and this week and next, we're kind of wrapping up next week. And I... I I got to be honest, when we thought about this series back in March, I sat down with Gebin and Richard Lopez, who was here the first week, and we sat and had lunch and kind of dreamed a little bit about this series and, and what, how God might use it to encourage his people. And, and I remember thinking as I left that lunch, I cannot wait for our people to hear from my friend Gebin. And I circled this date on my calendar because friends, you are, you are going to be blessed. And I'm excited for you to kind of hear the story that has been unfolding in your life, Gavin, and excited for that. I want to read a little bit about, because Gavin would never share this with you, because he's, he's a great guy. He would never tell you this stuff. But um, Gavin, God's allowed you to compete on a level that I don't think anyone in this room will ever reach, maybe one of us. It won't be me. I know that. Um, He's a, a member of Team USA 10 times with that. You've been a captain of that. You've been an All-American in college several times. You were the 2004 college national champion in shooting. 2009 national, uh, sorry, 2004 college national champion, 2009 national champion, and 2012 world champion. Like numero uno in the world, okay? Uh, 2013, you've had eight championships so far and counting and maybe I'm missing one. Um, you've been in USA, you've been in Spain recently, right? In Russia, just a few weeks ago. And you didn't get to see Brigida, you were in different cities, but you were there. Um, 
currently ranked number three in the world and uh, working with Team USA point leader on that. So um, not only is he a great athlete and competitor, he is a greater man of God and a good, good friend. Would you please give a warm elements welcome to Gavin Miles. Thank you, sir. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I feel like I'm just going to reiterate everything we just sang about in those four songs. Good. Um, we need to hear it again. <laughs> I think um, as we were talking, like I said, back in March, you kind of helped us frame out this series a lot and actually helped us connect with Daniel and Brigida and a few other people. And, and uh, so it's a real delight to have you here. And it's been a real honor of mine just to get to know you a little bit more over the last year and uh, have some lunches together and just kind of cheer for you from afar and text you every so often and, and uh, answer questions and have conversations that way. But um, why don't you explain what in the world you do? I almost brought like little dart guns and thought we could have a little competition, but then I thought I would just be embarrassed of myself. <laughs> and so I decided not to at the last minute. But what do you do for a living? Well, yeah, so I compete in a sport called Sporting Clays. And uh, Sporting Clays, a lot of people refer to it as like golf with a shotgun. Um, you're on a course that maybe has 15 to 20 different stations. Each different station has two different targets that range from um, as close as 10 yards away as far as 80 crossing, coming at you, looping, throwing off of towers, whatever you can imagine a little clay target doing. And, um, and so, yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of what I do. That's kind of what you do. Now, you shoot things for a living. I guess the question on my mind is, have you ever shot yourself hmm. on accident? Maybe. No. No. You're I've never okay, shot myself. But I do know somebody who's accidentally shot themselves. Too great. <laughs> not, not a good situation. No, that never seems good. We have some ER people that are like, no, that's never good. So um, I know athletics has been important to you in life. Uh, when did you kind of start down the path that you're at now that's gotten you to this place? Because I know ath athletics has been a part of your life ever since. I mentioned golf. Yeah, golf is actually my first sport. Um, my dad, who's sitting over there in the red shirt, um, he started me playing golf when I was like two years old. We've got pictures of me swinging this little golf club when I was two. And I've got a nephew um, who's kind of on the same track. But um, yeah, I was pretty good at golf. And I also was pretty good at, at uh, basketball and baseball. And I remember I gave my life to the Lord when I was seven. But I wasn't intentional in that relationship. And so sport, especially being good at sport, kind of turned into my identity. And so I unfortunately had an injury, or an injury, that ended my golfing career when I was 15. I, I broke my elbow, um, got two screws in it, and um, I mean, my dream was to be a professional golfer, and that was kind of a career-ending injury. And then I didn't go as far as anticipated in, in golf and basketball, but some doors in shooting opened up. And so um, as I just kind of looked into the future and was like, you know, is shooting really something that is going to you know, pay the bills or, um, you know, even be worth doing? And as I asked those questions, some, some doors opened up, but um, I was really straying away from my faith at the same time. And shooting, I, I got to this unhealthy level of shooting where 
I wanted to be the best in the world. And so I was shooting 40 to 50,000 practice rounds a year, which a typical shooter is going to shoot about 10,000 practice rounds a year. And so I was just grinding, 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 grinding. I mean, all the time. Uh, when I was in, in high school and uh, first couple years of college, I mean, I'm, I remember I would go out to the shooting range with either my mom or my dad at like five in the morning sometimes in the summer and just be working and working and working. And so my self-worth kind of started to wrap around my performance. Mm -hmm. And when I had successes, uh, I would get easily prideful. Um, and I would have a big head. I was, I was at times kind of a jerk. Um, and then when I would maybe not shoot that well, I would maybe seek into other worldly pleasures for, for satisfaction. And so as my heart kind of continued to harden, I didn't really love anyone outside of my own family. And so someone challenged me one day about my faith in the Lord. And they asked me if I was a Christian. And that heart just, it, it, or excuse me, that question rung a bell in my heart. And because um, I, couldn't, I couldn't really answer that. I was like, well, by my mouth, I would call myself a Christian, but in my heart, I was just questioning, you know, who is God? What do I believe about God? You know, how do I know he's real? Where, do, where am I going after I die? And so in the, in the wake of those questions, God showed up and the gospel came to me and God completely transformed my heart and he pulled me out of the darkness that I was living in I realized that my sin deserved hell, deserved eternal punishment. Um, but then I learned that, that God loves me so much and he loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to live the perfect life that we cannot, to die the death that we deserve. And he says that when we put our faith in him, all of our sins are completely washed away. When we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Um, and, that, and that saving grace, it gave me a vision that, that, that my identity no longer had to be wrapped up in sport. Um, because when, when we understand that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, God says that you're you're not defined by what the world says you're defined by anymore. You're defined by simply what I tell you is true of you. And so, you know, when I became his kid, I realized that, you know, God loves me so much by sending himself to die in my place and that he calls us to love him with, with everything that we have and then to love people. And so when I put my faith in Jesus for real, I was, I was 22. I'm 28 now. I'll be 29 in a couple weeks. Um, but I started down on this path that I learned how to compete for God's glory. And I don't think God would have let me become a national or world champion until I really understood that satisfaction isn't in sport, but it's in, it's in Christ alone, like we just sang. That's really cool. Amen. I think, um, I know as we've talked in the past, some of that transformation of identity has been huge, uh, of God saying, Hey, Gavin, uh, your identity is not this and, and what you produce and, and these, the things you're known by, but because you're known by me, 
that's your identity. And, and, and I know that's impacted the way that you approach competitions, the way that you enter into them. And, and I'm curious, um, how, how would you say you approach a competition now knowing your identity in Christ versus identity in performance at that competition? And then I'll follow up with another sure. one. Sure. I mean, in just complete confidence, because I know that no matter what my performance is, whether I, I win or I lose, I'm still loved. And, um, and you know, those victories or losses don't, uh, don't have any bearing on where I'm going after I die. That's very cool. Tell me um, a little bit about, you've gotten to travel around the world shooting for a living. That's pretty sweet. And you've been in some really cool competitions. And so do you have a favorite memory or one or two that stand out to you in those experiences? Well, um, I guess, okay, so I won the professional national championship in 2009. And I'll tell you two, two favorite memories. One memory from that is I got in a shoot-off for the national championship. And the, the person that I shot off against, he's kind of like the bad boy of the shooting community. Like he got, he got in trouble one year. He got kicked out of our organization for an entire year. Um, he's, I mean, he's really a mean person and nobody likes him. And so when we got into a shoot off, uh, there was 500 people in the crowd watching us. And about five of those people were cheering for him, including his parents and his girlfriend. And so I had a lot of people behind me and I just remember the shoot-off was 20 targets, and I had to break the very last pair to win by one shot. And so I break the first one, and I move over, and I break the second one. And I'm, I'm just thinking, like, as I pull this trigger, I'm going to be a national championship, or I'm going to be a national champion. And so I break it, and the crowd just goes crazy, and that was unbelievable. But um, another one that is kind of a little bit more spiritual is last year at the World Championships. I, I've, been, I've been learning for like five years now how to, how to compete for, the, for God's glory. And, and that really means competing with Christ, not just, not just for him, but truly with him. And at the World Championship last year, I, I think I really experienced like shooting in the Holy Spirit. When people talk about you know, praying in the Spirit or you know, doing things in the Holy Spirit, whatever your spiritual gift is, um, you've got this whole different level of, of connection with God and you're empowered and I seriously shot in the Holy Spirit the whole world championship last year. It was, it was crazy. So the Holy Spirit's a good shot. That's right. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> He's perfect. He's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what other uh, leaders or athletes, because you've had a chance obviously to rub shoulders with a lot of people. Um, what other athletes or leaders that have been in your journey have impacted you and, and how? Well, probably the biggest impacts aren't maybe necessarily from a big name that you might hear. Um, I have been impacted by a lot of people. I've got a great support system around me, a great friends and family, and I could probably thank uh, and tell hundreds of stories about people impacting me. But um, I'll tell you three real quick. There's a there's a guy named Matt Scott, not the quarterback that played at the U of A, but uh, he, he was actually a pitcher in Kentucky. <clears throat> in 2006 and 2007, and I guess a little bit in 2008, he really challenged me about what I believe and how do I really know that this stuff is real. And I was just kind of paying lip service to it. 
and I still had some areas of pride in my heart that, that I didn't want to surrender. And when God broke me of those, everything that he had been trying to teach me kind of got hammered home from this next guy. His name is John Demeter. He's, um, he runs the ultimate training camps for this organization called Athletes in Action. And John Demeter took me under his wing, and I mean, he taught me how to read the Bible. He taught me how to study the Bible. He taught me how to have one-on-one time with Jesus. He taught me how to be in, in Christian community, and he taught me how to do ministry. It was the biggest thing. And um, he's probably had the biggest impact on me uh, from a spiritual standpoint that anybody's ever had. Um, and then another guy's in this room. He was on stage just a minute ago. Is uh, Lyle Thompson, and and Lyle and I have known each other since 2006. And um, he's, I mean, we've just been there for each other for a long time, and um, have gone through a lot. And uh, we even lived together for a little bit. That was weird. But uh, does he sing all the time? Uh, not all the time, okay. but kind of an annoying amount. Gotcha. Okay. I'm just kidding, Lyle. Gotcha. You know I love you. <laughs> and so you've had, they've kind of, I, I know you've talked about uh, John a lot and, and the impact and, and, and Lyle and others too, but I know John in a lot of ways taking you under uh, his wing and kind of pouring into you. Uh, Daniel was here last week, shared about athletes in action, and, mm. and I know that has played a big part. In fact, uh, in a couple more questions, I want you to share just about some of those experiences and athletes in action, because I know some of those have been life-changing for you. But um, but I know your faith is incredibly important. <clears throat> I don't know if you all know this, but every uh, competition that uh, Gibbon goes to, he you're still handing out flyers for your Bible study? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I've got a Bible. I, I post the flyers. So you post the flyers. Yeah. He does a Bible study at every shoot, everywhere he's at in the world. Um, and you got people coming to that. Mm-hmm. And what's been some of that that experience or that feedback you've gotten as you've done that. You know, some people, obviously, people of faith. Others just come in because they like you and want to hang out with you or so. Um, you know, the Bible talks about us and living our faith out for people to see. But you don't want to do that in your face and, like, weird-like. Mm-hmm. How have you gotten to, to see that and partner with God in that? Well, I first started those Bible studies after, um, after I had an amazing experience learning how to completely give my life to, uh, to Christ. And when I started those Bible studies, like five, six people would come, sometimes less, sometimes more, but it was, it was right around this five number, probably because I wasn't very good at it. And, and I also got a lot of ridicule on the internet, like, you know, keep, keep your faith out of shooting. And it's because people had never seen that before. And so... It started with a few people, and then it's just kind of gained momentum, gained momentum. And at a couple venues this last year, I mean, we had like 70, 80 people out of, actually one event was like 150 people total, and we had 70 people show up at the Bible study. It was crazy. So uh, there's things like that happening. There's, I mean, there's people getting saved, um, people getting healed. I I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, as your faith is so much a part of, of your journey, I know, um, how has your faith been growing and training recently? Let's see. Recently, so I've got, uh, I've got some spiritual habits that 
I learned in Athletes in Action, and some of those things are having like like focal points on my on my body, like wristbands or verses on my shoes, things like that, to just continually draw my attention back to the Lord and keep me in constant prayer and all that. And so recently, I would say I've been very diligent in that kind of stuff, but just also learning how to do ministry better. You know, learning how to, yes, I'm doing this, but how can I tell somebody about that to impact them? And and just trying to hear the Holy Spirit's voice, kind of learning what to say and when to say it. You know, having a gift of discernment and that that comes with being in constant communication mm-hmm. with God. So you found yourself at times learning when to, maybe not when to be quiet in moments and just listen and other times where to, to kind of sure. jump in. I think yep. that's a, a vital skill. Probably takes a lifetime to really truly learn that. Mm-hmm. Um, what You talked about some of your spiritual habits. What are one or two spiritual habits that you've been practicing maybe since uh, your time in AIA? Um, they say these are kind of my go-tos. Yeah, having having like a consistent uh, uh, reading plan in the Bible, uh, having having quiet time in the morning or some you know sometime during my day, just you know carving out like an hour or so uh, during my day and just really really spending time with the Lord and reading through His Scripture and letting letting God's Word just speak to me and. Uh, and then flow out of me. Very cool. Um, I know. And then, uh, yeah. One more is uh, memorizing scripture. Uh, me- scripture memorization is 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 so key because you know Jesus tells us that our words need to be seasoned with salt, and if they're not seasoned with the scripture, they're just vain. I mean, they're like everybody else's words in the world, and so uh, some some verses that that have really impacted me over the years. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 um, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests made known to the Lord, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I went through a time where I, I, I had tournament anxiety. Um, I, I was just like a very restless person at times. And... Um, and when that verse hit me, it was like, dang, I don't have to deal with this stuff on my own. I can just give it to God and his peace guards me. And so um, that's not only helped in shooting, but it's helped in, in uh, every aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, another verse would be Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. And, and that verse just spoke to me in a moment that I was like, Gavin, you need to truly use your gifts and talents to glorify God instead of continuing to glorify yourself. Because when we glorify ourselves, that's where, when we're as close to Satan as possible. And so um, using the things that he's given us to, to make Jesus famous. And then the second part of that verse about renewing our mind, you know, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, it, that speaks about the importance of continuing to be in the word and, um, and kind of knowing the thoughts that we're thinking and being able to 
Well, another verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, talks about taking our thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. Because mm-hmm. every action that we, that we make is caused by a thought. Okay? And so knowing the thoughts that you're thinking and replacing them with, with perfect Christ-like thoughts are going to make your actions in turn be Christ-like. And so, I mean, that concept right there has, has led to some unbelievable spiritual conversations. But then in shooting as well, it's allowed me to be so consistent with kind of what I think and when I think it and, and just getting to that perfect state of mind before I call for the target every single time. And, and um, Corey uh, uh, Bailey was asking me before church just a little bit ago, you know, how are you able to just get in that perfect frame of mind every time? And that's it. I mean, I, mean, I, I kind of visualize what I need to do. I gain confidence. And as soon as I'm confident that I'm going to break these targets, I close my gun and I go into this prayer closet for a split second. And as I come out of that prayer mode, then I just get focused and let my body do what my mind just told it to. And, um, and since like 2008, it's been all about Jesus. So it's crazy. Cool. That's really cool. I feel like preaching the sermon off of that because that was, you know, I think that, that taking your thoughts captive is so huge in, um, in our lives. If you think about just your, your patterns and your decisions and the way that you play out actions, like you're saying, that, you know, to take thoughts captive and replace that um, is a huge concept. And it seems simple, and it, it, but it also is very complex in the sense that that's hard to do on an re- ongoing basis. And mm-hmm. so it, it takes practice. It takes that training, which is what we're talking about, uh, right. to kind of get into that mode. Um, so I, I know um, you've talked about using your work shooting as worship, going back to the Romans 12. Uh, mm-hmm. Unpack that a little bit of how you approach your work as worship. I mean, just kind of what I said a little bit ago, like understanding that, you know, you guys have all been uniquely gifted in, in something. And understanding that whatever those unique gifts are, you can glorify God in those. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever sphere of influence that you have, you need to use that to, to make Jesus famous. You know, you, you guys that have just started college uh, either this week or last week or whenever you guys started, I, I mean, I'm, I'm praying for this generation that's in college because I've, I've seen this kind of spiritual revival in a lot of different college circles around the country, and uh, we all know college needs Jesus. And, you know, I want to just challenge all you guys who just started, and girls who just started college to really try to bring Jesus to where you're at. I mean, that's the heart of work as worship, bringing Jesus to where you're at. Very cool. Now, I know um, I want you to talk on this one for a while, because I know the ultimate training camp that you went to, which partly kind of spawned the series title, was um, an incredible experience for you, and some principles of being a part of Athletes in Action that you kind of still live out. And so I'd love for people to hear just your story about that training camp experience. You had a week-long experience. It's a camp for athletes. I'll let you tell that. And then some of those principles from Athletes in Action and what, how you're still living that out. Yeah, so the ultimate training camp is 
I guess now it's a five-day camp, and it's created for college and professional athletes. And I'm just going to read a little line. I guess it's it's uh, it's a motto. It says to create an environment in which God would change lives by introducing athletes to competition and personal growth from a biblical perspective. And so, like I said, the camp is this five-day-long camp, and first three days or so, you're going to learn these five principles. And then the last day and a half, two days, last 24 hours, basically, you partake in this thing called the special, which is a 24-hour long competition um, that, you, that you act out these principles that you just learned. So the principles are this. The first principle is called audience of one. And ask the question, who or what are your idols? And so we all know um, God tells us to not have any gods above the Lord our God. And so it teaches you how to understand if you have anything that is above God in your life, in your heart, and how to break that. Principle two is, is called inside game. And it asks the question, who or what motivates you? And so <clears throat> we can be motivated by a lot of things and Things of the world aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but our ultimate motivation has to be Jesus' love for us. Understanding how much God loves us should, should propel us to do what we do to the best of our abilities. And if one of these other worldly motivations kind of takes that number one spot, then we're just back to principle one because <laughs> we have an idol. So uh, principle three is called holy sweat, holy surrender. And that asks the question, how do I grow? So I know that, that God is my ultimate audience, that Christ's love for me is my ultimate motivation. Now, how do I grow in this stuff? Some, some of the spiritual disciplines that we were talking about a little bit ago, I, I mean, I've, I learned at that camp, or at least was introduced to them at that camp. Then the fourth principle is, is called hurting for certain. And it asks the question, how do I deal with adversity? You know, how do I deal with trials and and pain and suffering. And they have this motto, you can either get bitter or you can get better. So you can get bitter at the stuff that you're going through, or you can go to God with it and realize that on the other side of those trials, you're going to gain wisdom if you let God lead you through those. Then the, yeah, the fifth principle is called victory beyond competition. And victory beyond competition basically states that, that life is an away game and heaven is home. And, you know, even though we might have victory in competition, our ultimate victory is just a breath away. It's heaven. And so just keeping an internal, an eternal perspective all the time. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. And so these five principles really changed my life because I was forced into basically learning how to use them in the highest stress level um, activity that I've ever done. And so, like I said, it's this 24-hour competition that is designed to break you down so much physically, emotionally, and spiritually that you have nothing left but to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to get you through, to rely on Christ in me to get me through this competition. And so this competition, you're on teams of seven or eight. 
and it starts off on, say, like Wednesday at lunch, okay? And at lunch, the Last Supper, you know, Jesus' story of the Last Supper is read. And so every few hours after, after the Last Supper, part of Jesus' journey to the cross is being read. So we start in on this, on this competition, and the first event is like volleyball. We play an hour of volleyball, and if you're not actually in the game because you know, you're on a team of seven or eight, if there's one or two people sitting on the sideline, you're, you're either jogging around the floor or doing push-ups or sit-ups or some, you know, something active. Then the next hour was ultimate frisbee, which I had never played in my life. And if you weren't in the game, you were running around and all that. And then we had to do a set of relays, like running relays, a whole bunch of different relays, then push-up relays where you would run 50 yards, do 10 push-ups, run back. Um, jump rope relays. Is my mic still on? Yeah, there we go. Uh, jump rope relays. Swimming relays. Some more running relays. Then we played three games of basketball, 20-minute running clocks. And apparently our group wasn't going hard enough. And so then we had to do 10 suicides. Then we had to play three more games of basketball, and by this time it was like almost midnight. Then we had to take an hour-long written test about everything that we had learned about all the, about all the principles. How many of you are tired already? Okay. I mean, there were, okay, kids, yeah, there were kids like passing out by this time, like yelling, screaming. So anyway, <laughs> then depending on where your team was and the ranking system determined when you got to wake up the next morning to start a three-and-a-half-mile obstacle course that started at 4.30 in the morning. <clears throat> Every 15 minutes, a team would go. Then you got to break for, for breakfast for about an hour if you wanted to eat. Um, then it was kickball, which doesn't sound hard, but it was pretty annoying because if you were in the first base dugout, your whole team had to run around third base to get there. Uh, one of my friends, I'll name drop for a second, Maya Moore, she's probably the best female basketball player in the world right now, um, she said her breaking point was, was during kickball. So like everybody before the special and before camp was telling me, Gavin, you're going to reach this breaking point during the special. Like you're going to learn how to completely surrender your life to Christ during the special. And as I'm going through the special, I'm, I'm eager to feel that kind of, but then I'm like, I keep asking God, you know, God, is this it? Is this it? Am I broken? Am I broken? And so I wasn't broken yet. And the last two events, the last event is one more event of, of, of running relays and some other weird things like army crawls and all kinds of stuff that I'll get in, into in a second. But the last event is called the Golgotha. And the Golgotha is this hill that is about five, ten miles away from Colorado State Campus University up in the up in the foothills of the, of the Rocky Mountains, and there's this reservoir up there called Horsetooth Reservoir. And Horsetooth Reservoir has a hill on it that's, I mean, sloped like this. It's ridiculous. And we have to run down a half mile carrying a two-by-four, and when we get down to the bottom, we put it on our back and run back up a half mile to kind of signify the last part of Jesus carrying his cross. And so right before the Golgotha, in this running relay, they're just pushing us and pushing us and pushing us. And they're like, all right, guys, one more event. Okay, one more. You didn't go hard enough. One more. And I, I'd been saving something 
in my tank to make it down and up this hill because running wasn't one of my favorite things to do. And God knew that. And so he made me a captain on my team. And so the very last thing before Golgotha was called the captain's death crawl. And the captain's death crawl, well, when they said it, they were like, all right, guys, last event we promised, but this is just for the captains. I'm like, oh, crap. And so they said, it's the captain's death crawl, and it's a 50-yard bear crawl, which is you're just on your hands and your feet carrying the girl captain on your back. And I look over at my girl captain. She weighs just as much as I do, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and so I start going, <laughs> and, I start, and my body is just fatigued. Like I get to the 25-yard line, and she falls off my back. My team is like gathered around me saying scripture and praying for me out loud, and I'm just like, what am I doing here? And so they get her back on my back, and I just gave everything that I had to just cross the finish line. I mean, next to me, too, in the, in the lanes, I mean, there's like football players who play at like Florida and Alabama just like dying next to me, and I'm like, what? Like, this is just ridiculous right now. And so I cross, and it hits me, dude, you still have to do the Golgotha. <laughs> And like, I just dropped to my knees and I'm crying and like my team is getting me on the bus. I'm like, come on, Gavin, we got to get on the bus. The buses are leaving. And so I'm just on the bus and I'm dying. And I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no way I can make it down and back up this hill. Like, I'm, I'm going to faint. And so as I'm sitting there, this, there's a girl across the aisle from me and she was the intern at this camp. And she'd been through this before, so she knew where I was at. And she flips open the Bible, and she's like, Gavin, you all right? And I turn and look at her, I was like, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders. I'm thinking, no, I'm not all right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and so she gives me, she, she gives me the Bible, and she opened up to Isaiah 40, and she says, read 28 through the end. And I think it goes something like this. It goes, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives power to the faint and strength to the weary. And he says, even youths will stumble and fall, and young, yet, yeah, even youths will stumble and fall, something like that. But then it says, yeah, he gives strength to the power and increases the might of the weary. And those who hope in the Lord, he will renew their strength. And they will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. And as I'm reading those verses, like God's just gripping my heart. Like, Gavin, do you realize I'm the creator of the ends of the earth? Like, I know people are going to get tired because you guys are sinful. You know, you decided to go your own way at the onset of creation. And as I'm reading these, God's telling me, Gebin, you still have areas of your heart that you've not surrendered your life to, that, that, or that you've surrendered your life to, you've not given over control to me. And so then he, it says, those who hope in the Lord, he will renew their strength, and they will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And I'm like, God, I, I know that I can't make it up this hill without you, so teach me what that looks like to surrender my life. 
And so we get to the top of this hill, and the story's almost done. Sorry, guys. So the, um, we get to the top of this hill. There's 150 athletes around. We're gathered around this rock, looking out at this beautiful reservoir. We got snow-capped peak in the, in the background. And you're just in awe of, of God's majesty in creation. And my friend John Demeter was running this special, and he gets on top of this rock, and he's got a megaphone, and he starts reading this depiction of Christ getting nailed to the cross, and it is vivid. And like you could cut the, the tension in the air with a knife. I mean, it was, it was crazy because <clears throat> as we were all hurting, it was like we all realized that God went further. You know, he, he, he went through all this pain, but then he died. He actually died for us. And so with that mindset, it's my turn to go down this hill. And so I go down this hill and I'm thanking God for this amazing week. I mean, I'd never been in a scenario where there was 150 other athletes there for the same reason, you know, wanting to learn how to do their sport in the lens that God wants us to do our sport. And so I was thanking God about all the relationships that I'd made, everything that he was teaching me through the special and with the principles and all that. And I get to the bottom and I put that cross on my back and my body's like, uh-uh, <laughs> you're, you're not going up this hill. And I mean, my, my abs are just like cramping. My lungs are so fatigued. And I just close my eyes and every step is another prayer, another prayer, another prayer. And I just asked God, I was like, God, okay, I'm through with, with competing on my own. I'm, I'm through with trying to live life on my own. I mean, I know I gave my life to you a couple years prior to this, but God, have every area of my heart. And as I did, I opened my eyes and I looked down at my shadows right in front of me. And God reminds me, Gebin, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that rose my son from the dead lives inside of you. Call on the Holy Spirit. And next thing I know, I mean, I look up and I'm just like sprinting up this hill. My body's completely numb. I cross the finish line. I pass my board off and I go to the side of the road and just look out over this reservoir. And this guy, Matt Scott, came up to me who had just kind of been paying lip service to all of his challenges. And we just prayed together. And from that moment on, God lit a fire inside of me like, I got to use shooting to bring people to the gospel, you know, because we're all called to, to spread the good news, you know, to make disciples of every nation. And I realized at that moment that this, this community of shooters that I'd been a part of wasn't a reached community for Jesus. I mean, I'd been shooting since 1996 seriously since 2004. And like that whole time, there had been no ministry efforts to this people group. And so it was like, God told me to use my platform to glorify him. And so, you know, I basically started this ministry. I mean, it, you know, not even official, just kind of a branch of athletes and of athletes in action and did Bible studies at all these shoots. And, um, and then as I was obedient to God's calling, he's just elevated my platform, you know, allowed me to win the nationals. Actually, right before 
I, I won the nationals. I was going to go on full-time staff with Athletes in Action because they changed my life so much. Um, and I went through the whole process of like applications, interviews, everything, got accepted. I was going to probably do ministry at either Arizona or Virginia Tech. And then God had me win the nationals. And the guy who was discipling me, John Demeter, was like, dude, you don't need to go into Athletes in Action. You need to use your sport as your platform to win people to Jesus. And so, you know, then was ranked, you know, one in the country or whatever, win, win the world championships, all this. And so it's continuing to elevate as I'm pressing into Jesus, as I'm, as I'm leaning in on him. And the best thing that I've ever done is definitely not win a world championship. I mean, that's awesome. But the best thing that I've ever done is give my life to Christ. Amen. Amen. I think um, one of the things I appreciate about Gavin so much is is the transparency of his life um, and the authenticity to use that platform to, to say, God, whatever platform it is, you've got this one for right now. You'll have a different one later on, and, and we all have that. But to just turn and and say, God, help me leverage my life yeah. for Your story because your story is bigger and better than my story. And I, I appreciate that about Kevin, and, and I, I'm sure you do too in, in that. And, and we would like to pray for you uh, to that end, and we're going to move on in the service. But I'd love to know just how we can pray for you uh, in that. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this on the drive over here, and just pray that, that there's a, a spiritual revival in the shooting community because there's, there's so many people in the shooting community that would probably call themselves Christians, but they go to these shooting tournaments to party. They go to these shooting tournaments to fill like a void in their life. You know, people in shooting are so addicted to shooting. I mean, they, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, there's people out there that go and compete literally every single weekend. And, you know, I said that 40 to 50,000 targets a year that I was practicing, um, I mean, there's some people that aren't even trying to get to the top of the game who just love shooting. And I mean, they're out there like every day just grinding and probably shooting that many targets, you know, right where I used to be, um, who have their identity in sport. And so just pray that, that the Holy Spirit brings people alongside of me. There's actually a few people here tonight who are from Phoenix. We just had a tournament here in Tucson today that um, some brothers and sisters in Christ kind of sitting over behind my parents. And they, they um, you know, they're people that God is starting to strategically bring into the shooting community. And just pray for more and more people like that who, who want to bring the gospel to this people group. And, um, and then just that I will continue in this, in this walk of faith, this, you know, fight of faith that as I press in to Jesus, that I continue to feed my faith with the knowledge of who God is in the face of Jesus Christ. Very cool. Well, wait, thank you for being here. Um, would you all pray with me? And then we're going to move in. So I'm going to invite our worship team up into a, a closing song here. And at the conclusion of that song, if you want to take communion, we're going to have the stations up front, and you're welcome to do that just because of time. We're going to close in a song tonight and uh, invite you to do that. And then also we've got some things happening outside that I'll tell you about on the other side of that song. But let's pray for Gavin uh, together as a church family.
Father, we are grateful for, uh, for you, for your son, for the example that you've given us in Christ uh, to keep calling us forward in, in sacrificial kind of living. And we, we just, we lift up our brother Gavin to you. We thank you for just the, the, the journey you have him on. And Father, we do pray that you continue to use the platform you've given him and the opportunities that you've uh, opened doors for him to be useful um, for your kingdom's sake. And we pray for a greater story to continue to grow and to blossom and to, to be a part of taking root in the hearts of those in the shooting community. We thank you for, uh, I thank you for those that he's getting to mentor and coach. And I pray for those conversations as he has those and he's teaching all around the world. Would you open up opportunities and conversations to be about spiritual things? And Father, would you continue to give him uh, just a gathering of folks that come to those Bible studies and in the conversations and looking into your word and people hearing his story and your story within that, would you just continue to draw people to Jesus? And Father, those that, are, that you're searching after, that, that you care about, you know uh, intimately, that you long to have a relational connection with them, I pray that you continue, as your word says, that you're the one that draws them. And so we pray that you would use Gavin as a mouthpiece and as a lifestyle, uh, as, a, as he lives his life, to point people to Jesus. We thank you for him. We pray your blessing over him and your favor and your wisdom to him. We ask that you would go before him and behind him and beside him uh, every weekend that he's traveling and wherever he is in the world, would you just continue to allow Jesus to be very, very close and for him to sense and know that he's got a family here and a church family here praying for him and uh, rooting him on, not just in competition, but in the greatest competition of just winning people and introducing them to our friend Jesus. And we pray that you'd use his life in great and glorious ways. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Jack. Gavin, thank you so much for being here tonight.